1: I just wanted to talk uh, briefly, and uh, I may end up going in a few different directions as we go along, but that's okay. I do want to say a few things just about the relationship and the power of humility and faith. And, you know, humility is something we have to do to ourselves. I know that there's some people that are generally humble people. I'm not one of those. I mean, I'm Dutch for goodness sake. If there's any Dutch people here, I love you. I come from the homeland as well. God bless you. But um, humility is something we clothe ourselves with. We put it on. It's a choice. And, you know, when we humble ourselves under God's hand, he lifts us up. He elevates us. We have influence. And so it is a matter of a choice that we choose to humble ourselves. See, the rhythms in the Bible is basically that we need to walk with God before we can work for God. We need to know him as our father before we know him as our boss. The, what we see in Genesis is that there was first communion with God before dominion of the world. So out of communion comes dominion. And out of alignment comes Advancement. When we align ourselves to the heart of God, we can then be positioned to advance his purposes. And so it's important in this hour that all of us are people that are seeking his heart, that are drawing near to him, that are being intimate with him so that we can be aligned to him. And from that place, we can do some incredible things for the kingdom of God. Are you with me today? And so this is also a rhythm in prayer. Sometimes we don't know what we ought to pray. That's what the Bible teaches us. But therefore, God's given us this gift, this language, this spiritual language. And so it's healthy for us to start our prayer time, our devotion time, praying in the Spirit. Because when we pray in the Spirit, we're not really understanding what we're praying. But the Spirit is making intercessions through us. And so as he intercedes through us, we then catch on. You start to connect. It starts to get clarity. You start to get insight. Oh, this is the direction. Now, if I started to pray what I think I need to pray about, it's often completely different to what God wants me to pray about. And so there's also this benefit of the law of indirection. I think I need this, but if I pray according to God's will for that, that happens anyway. You hear what I'm saying? When we seek first the kingdom, all things are added to us. All things. And so in this hour, it is a time to seek first the kingdom of God. And so humility pays a big part of this. Biblical humility is a quiet confidence generated out of trusting God. And so humility keeps us under the hand of God. It's essential for unity. It's the attitude of a servant. Humility doesn't try to win the argument. It tries to win the person. I used to try always to win the argument because being Dutch, I'm always right. It's, it goes hand in hand. And so I used to treat my family... We've got some other people over here that would always like to win the argument. Just give me a wave if I'm with the like-minded kindred spirits here. Um, with my family, my extended family, I used to argue with them because I was in the kingdom. They were out of the kingdom. So I'm pointing my finger, in a sense, at them because they're wrong. They're not in. You need to be in. But all I did was create a dividing wall of hostility. I I'm I'm, was responsible. God apprehended me. God arrested me one day and said, you are causing the problem of them being reconciled. I said, no, 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 I'm fighting for your benefit, God. So anyway, I realized at that point, I had to treat my family as though they were saved, that they were in. And now my mom and my stepdad, they've been part of a church for many, many years. And it all changed when I started talking to them as though they were saved. Not that they were unsaved, that they were saved. And not trying to win the argument. Just humble yourself, Jake Betlam. Humble yourself and let God be God. And it's amazing what can happen in Philippians 2, 2, 1, 1, no, sorry, 2, 2, (laughs) chapter... Chapter 2, verses 2 to 11, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the outcome of him humbling himself, to even being killed as a criminal on a cross. He did not think of equality with God. We see this descending order. He gave up his divine privileges. He became human with all the limitations and frailties. He came to serve humanity by the ultimate act of laying down his life, and he died as a humiliated criminal. Then is the great turning point. Therefore, God elevated him. Because of his humility, the life of Jesus did not end in the grave. But he was exalted to the place of highest honor, a name above all names. Every knee should bow and every tongue confess. If every knee should bow, this is an ethic of the future kingdom. That's why as believers, we need to start practicing it right now, it is a way that we will usher in God's power and bring about transformation as we humble ourselves under his hand. His hand is the church. That's the church on earth is God's hand. And so there's a context to humility. It's within the local church. It says in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty four, death is swallowed up in victory. Many years ago, before I was a pastor, I was an insurance salesman at an insurance business. And so many of you are now thinking, how is it possible that you could be an insurance salesman and a Christian at the same time? (laughs) But apparently with God, all things are possible. (laughs) And so I had this corny motto, as the worship team is here, I feel inspired again. I had this corny motto, uh, souls before sales. And so if there was an opportunity to lead someone to Jesus, I would dispense with my business and focus on that opportunity. Now, that actually became quite annoying at times because it started costing us a little bit of money. But anyway, I had this uh, person ask me to contact an 85-year-old woman who was a customer. She had a very small policy, she was sick and she needed someone to go out and explain her insurance. I was very reluctant to take up this opportunity because it was potentially no business at all. Um, so anyway, I spoke to her on the phone and I found out that she had um, cancer and she only had a few days to live or a few weeks to live. And so then I felt convicted and I went out to see her. I arrived at what is like a nursing retirement home. I went apparently to the wrong unit, knocked on the door and no one came. I went back to the car thinking it was a waste of time. Before I could leave, there was this frail old woman leaning on my bonnet. So I got out and I said, can I help you? She said, are you the insurance salesman? I said, yes, I am. So we went into her uh, correct unit this time, apartment. I think you call it apartment, or uh, all those terms. You know what I mean anyway. Uh, we went into the correct unit, and uh, her husband was sitting in the corner reading a paper. I sat down. I explained the insurance policy, and when I finished, I said, Mrs. Giltro, I said, can I ask you a question? I'm a Christian, and I would like to just find out if you know about Jesus. And she said, well, uh, yep, go ahead. So I said, look, do you have you ever received Jesus into your life? And she said, well, I've tried to do the right thing. I've tried to live the right way, help people. I said, Mrs. Giltrow, I can see that you are a beautiful woman, and you are too beautiful not to know for sure that you have Jesus as your savior. Why don't you allow me to pray with you? And she said, yes, that would be fine. I would like that. And as I looked across at the husband, he's now peering over his newspaper, because the conversation had shifted dramatically. And I said, sir, why don't you join your wife in this prayer? He came across the hallway reluctantly. He sat down, they received Jesus. And so the next day I went back with some flowers and uh, a Bible because you need to follow up. Salvations. And so, because the goal is not that someone says yes to Jesus. The goal is that they follow Jesus. They become a disciple. That's the goal. That's the goal. What we do, of course, in church, we celebrate disciples. We love the fact that people say yes to Jesus, but we need to celebrate disciples of Jesus because that's what we want to reproduce. So anyway, I followed her up, gave her the Bible so she could start reading the Word of God. I contacted her a number of times, and then I couldn't get a hold of her. And then I got her daughter one day uh, that was at her place, and she said, look, uh, my mum has died. She passed away last week, and the funeral is in the next couple of days. And so I hung up, and I said to Kerry, this is my beautiful wife, by the way, Kerry Betlam here. I said to Kerry, I said, I hope she made it. And she, being a good woman, she rebuked me. And... um, And she said, of course she made it. Don't let the devil steal it. Um, So, but I went out to the funeral. Something within me said, you need to go to that funeral. And so I went there, it was emotional. I didn't know anyone. I just remember one moment making contact with her husband and it was just this gratitude that was emanating from him. And he was very emotional. You know, he's been with her for all his life. And then um, I left, I went back to the car. I was about to leave. And the next thing I know, there was this lady and a younger lady leaning on my bonnet. I thought, this is weird. This just runs through the family, this thing. And I said, can I help you? And they said, are you the insurance salesman? And I thought, there might be some business opportunity because death is a motivator. But no, no, I, did, I didn't think that. I didn't think that at the time. That's just me being cheeky. Um, but I said, uh, yes, I am. And it turned out that one was the niece, the other one was the granddaughter. And uh, they said, well, look, we're Christians and we want to thank you. Sorry, when you relive precious moments, there is, a, there is an emotion that comes with it. But um, they said, we couldn't get through to her, uh, but you did. We want to thank you. We were trying to contact you uh, because the grandmother, her auntie, wanted to see me in the hospital. She said, but we want you to know that she was in very little pain. At night, she had the same dream every night. And what she experienced was walking with Jesus. She described his sandals to us. And we know she has gone to eternity. Now, I didn't say much. I was a bit of a mess at that time. Um, And um, I drove off. But that scripture erupted in my spirit. I still was a fairly young Christian back then, but this scripture erupted in my spirit that death is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. I believe that it's really important for us to get a revelation of eternity, to have a perspective that we are going to eternity. Now, we don't want to hasten getting to eternity. We're not taking that into our own hands. We're leaving that into God's hands. But by having a revelation of eternity, it just makes an adjustment on our priorities and perspective in the here and now. It helps us to live in such a way that actually will make more value and sense for the kingdom of God. It's an important time that we know that nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. If we've received Jesus, nothing will separate you from that love. Whether death, whether anything else, nothing can separate us from that love in Jesus' name. And so a few things, humility is how we enter the kingdom. Matthew 18, 3, four says, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. With humility, we get authority. When we humble ourselves, we become the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Because we realize we are dependent on the one that gives us the empowerment. We realize we can't do it in ourselves, but we're trusting in God Almighty to help us, to empower us, so that we can do it for Him. (laughs) Humility is how we pray with results. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I know that there's no if over your prayer life. There should be no if over our prayer life. This is Awaken Church, and if you're part of this congregation, you are a praying believer in Jesus' name. (laughs) Awaken is a house of prayer. The reason there is fruit all over this great city is because of prayer. It's because your leaders are willing to be predictable, turning up for God every morning, doing their devotions. I see their Instagram stories. I see, you know, that they're constantly and consistently making themselves available to God. You know, there's huge value in being predictable. It's not boring. It's not boring in the kingdom. Be predictable. If you're predictable, God can interrupt your world with blessing and opportunity. Be predictable. Turn up at church every week. Be predictable. I reckon we should get a t-shirt. Predictable's not boring, it's glorious. Something like that, I don't know. I just thought of that. We could maybe work on that. Bryce, Bryce can help me later on, he's far more creative. So there's this posture of humility and repentance within the scripture. And we should be repenting every day. Jesus told us to do that in our daily prayer. See, it's a beautiful moment here. Everyone's moving up to the stage. I just thought I'd talk about it because everyone's eyes were drifting over there. You know, you think about Habakkuk. Habakkuk is a famous passage of scripture, Habakkuk 2, about vision. And it is accurate. It is about vision. What would be more accurate is that it's about revelation. And so Habakkuk positioned himself to be corrected. If you read it carefully, he postured himself to be corrected, to be adjusted. His name actually means to embrace and to wrestle. And I've done a message about embracing the wrestle of adjustment because Habakkuk's life represents that. And so what a beautiful thing it is when we turn up in our prayer time with our number one priority to be corrected. That's repentance, something we do to ourselves. We take sides with God against ourselves. And so we come to be adjusted because what really he needed was a better worldview. His worldview needed to be adjusted so it was a biblical worldview. The same for you and me. We need to turn up number one in prayer to be aligned to God's heart, to make some adjustments. It's a bit like, you know, the satellite navigation. You could ignore it, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it but soon... As soon as you obey that female voice, it's hard for a man to do that sometimes. Sorry, it went way too quiet. That was supposed to be a little bit of a, a, a bit of a relieving moment. It's a bit of relief. Work with me. But as soon as you listen to that instruction, you're back on track. There's some people here today, as soon as you listen today, your life is going to be back on track. I could actually see in a spirit during worship, I could see quite a mature person in a pram. It's a bit of a weird picture. I don't think it was a burrito I had last night. <laughs> I, th- I think it was from the heaven. But what came to me was that there is a mature person here today And today is going to be a new birth for you. It may not be that you're getting born again for the first time, but you're getting birthed into the ultimate purpose that God has always had for your life. That could be your opportunity here today. And at the end, at the end of this uh, message, we'll pray. And we'll pray for that as well. But embrace the wrestle of adjustment. Because alignment, as I said, is so necessary to advancement. When, we, when you have that sense that you're aligned, you're bold. The Bible says in the message version it says that self-confidence is nothing. Cultivate God confidence. Cultivate God confidence. Because there's a boldness that comes But the journey to that boldness is the desperate need for that Savior. It's being fully dependent on Him. And when we have that sense of dependence and that we're becoming one, there is a confidence that rises up that's not from self. But it's just the the revelation that you're not alone and that you're serving an outcome that He's ordained all of us, no matter what we do, whatever we put our hand to, whether we're at home looking after children, whether we're cleaning windows, wherever my cleaning window friend has gone, whatever we do, you're in God's purpose in that place. It says it in the Bible, whatever you do in word or deed, do it unto the Lord. You start where you're at. You don't change. You just start where you're at. And from that place, every day, We do it unto God. If you're in a job that's not really exciting, do it unto God. Make it exciting by doing it for God. Serve Him. And you'll find that in that place, He can bring great change in you and your life. Humility, and I'll finish on this one, is how we remain in community and win the lost. Humility will keep you in. I've been in the same church. Kerry's been in the same church for the last... 36 years got saved in that church and still there did I feel like leaving? yes sometimes every week but it's my family I love my kids when they were younger they weren't always lovable but you still loved them I wasn't lovable but we're family. It's a great revelation to get. Is this your family? Then commit to it for a lifetime. Because when you make that commitment, you'll get tested. Like that word at the start, you'll go into the furnace. But you also will get developed, you'll grow. And sometimes wrong decisions can be made in church but God will still be God. And I found that they are, it's all a season, but stay committed. There's something beautiful about the house of God. When people are in what we call koinonia, loving, supporting, encouraging relationships with one another, preferring one another, honouring one another. About a year ago, I was preaching in our church service And it was this visitor, this lady, she was there for the first time. She um, was smiling and nodding her head as I was preaching my message. I thought, man, she loves this sermon. She's really into it. So I went to say hi to her at the end. And she was with a couple of our members who brought her along. I quickly found out that she was from Portugal and couldn't speak a word of English. Oh, no wonder she loved a sermon. I said, uh, how's the experience been for you? Because that's all she had. She said, it, through interpretation, she said, it has been amazing. The people have been so lovely. She started to cry. I said, what's happening? I I no, I just, I just feel such joy and relief. And I said, it's Jesus. That's Jesus. Jesus manifests in his community. When we practice Cornonia, you don't have to be speaking up here. You just need to turn up, turn up. Everyone in this room, everyone in this room contributes to the message that we need to preach. The world can't see God. They're blind. There's a veil. We try to argue all the time with that veil. They can't see, but they can see the church. And when when people experience the church, when they see the church, the love, the care, the encouragement, It ministers to them. That woman got saved that day. I told her through the interpretation, you can receive what you're experiencing here. You can have this every day. She didn't hear a word of the sermon, but the congregation preached to her. This congregation, you preach, you minister, you need to stay connected and committed to one another. The devil wants to divide. He wants to take people out. Stay committed. It's an hour to be committed. Don't turn up about what we can get out of it. Turn up about what you can contribute. And if you turn up with that attitude, if you turn up with that attitude, you'll always get something. You'll always get something. I have to stop. Lord clock is ticking away. I can feel the Holy Spirit rising in this place. It's far more important that you experience the Holy Spirit. So I'm shifting into ministry time for the timekeeper. I know how it works here now. I learned the first service. Here we go. I love you guys. You represent Jürgen and Leanne. I love them. I'm proud about how courageous they have been in a very difficult, challenging season. Proud. Thank you, um, We're most probably myself has most probably got to go through some PTSD, post-traumatic stress. It hasn't been that easy either in our country. I'm pastoring people on different sides of the fence. I'm amongst peers that are not necessarily on the same page. But what you've got to do, you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. And the one that he sent, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there for us. Enlist his help. He wants you to enlist his help. The Holy Spirit is available. He's present. He's an ever-present in a time of need. He's ever-present in a time of need. We are in a time of need. The Holy Spirit is present. And we can do something remarkable with all the circumstances that are actually available to us right now. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Father, I thank you for this day. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. If there's someone here today, and you've been away from Jesus, right now, I would like to pray a prayer that you can come back to him. You can receive him, maybe for the first time, or it could just be that you're committing your life back into his hands because you've drifted. Let this be an opportunity for you this day, that you can receive Jesus afresh, that you can leave this place knowing that you stand right before God. While every eye is closed, I'm going to just count to three, and I would like you to put up your hand and say, Pastor Jake, please pray for me. One, two, three. Just lift up your hand. That's awesome. That's awesome. Just say, Pastor Jake, please pray for me. Today, I want to get realigned to the Father's heart through Jesus Christ. All those people that have put up your hand, could you please do something for me and come down here to the altar here Meet me down the front. We're all gonna stand up together. Just come down, come down, come down. If we could have some members, bring them down. Come down, just come down. It's important that we move towards God. It's important, it's important that we move towards God. There's something powerful about just taking some steps forward and also publicly owning this decision because when it's owned publicly, it's really owned. It's like you get married before friends and witnesses because you're making a public declaration of a lifetime commitment. And this can be a lifetime commitment for all of you. Some of you, I can sense, have been going through the ringer, as we say in Australia. I don't know if that translates, but it's, it's, there's a scripture that I didn't quite read out, but it says, hard pressed, but not crushed. Hard pressed, but not crushed. Some of you are feeling quite hard pressed in line with the prophetic word that was ministered before by Pastor Michael, you may be desperately wanting to get out of that vice, that grip that circumstances has over your life. But what I would say to you is don't try to look to get out. Locate the one that you can find within the circumstance. The Apostle Paul did not pray to get out of the prison. The Apostle Paul worshipped God within the prison. It's not about getting out of the prison. It's about worshipping God right where we are. Because that will be empowerment necessary to develop something in you to get a deposit of God within your spirit that you otherwise couldn't get. Let's pray this prayer together. I would like you to say this from your heart. This is your prayer. I'll give you the words. Say it from your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, say it out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I stand before you this day. I ask that you forgive me for going my way and not your way. Today I choose to receive you. Come into my heart, make me whole. I commit my life into your hands. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, empower me to follow you all the days of my life, in Jesus' name, amen. Father, I pray for every person here. I pray in the name of Jesus, your spirit come upon them, your anointing to be upon them right now. Touch their lives, Lord God, I pray. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. I pray that tomorrow morning when they wake up, they would sense your presence. They would sense your nearness, Lord God, that they would be able to walk with the freedom and the liberty into their tomorrow, their next week, their next month, and their next year in Jesus' name. Bless them in the name of Jesus.
0: Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen.